forever. Dog. Welcome back to Zol Good with Alexis Chizol. My name is Alexis Chizol, the host of this podcast. I hope you guys are doing fantastically. I'm about to go to Arizona for the holidays. It will probably still be warm there. Anyway, so today's guest is Brian Jordan Alvarez, who I am such a big fan of. He has this really hilarious YouTube channel where he does everything from minute-long sketches to he has a really, really, really solid web series called The Gay and Wondrous Life of Caleb Gallo. If you have not checked it out, I would highly recommend it, especially if you like my stuff. I feel like tonally you'll get some similar vibes. Um, it's, It's so funny. I just enjoy it so much. And he also released a feature film on his YouTube channel called Grandmother's Gold, which I am excited to get into and learn more about. And something I didn't know about BGA is that he is from Colombia. So we are going to be talking to his parents who just flew in there for the holidays. So let's dive on in and chat with Paul and Angela. For those of us that don't know, what can you tell us about Brian and his career so far? Well, uh, he, he's, he's been doing quite well after he, he, uh, he graduated from, uh, USC and we were, we were very happy he went to USC because, uh, we, we saved a lot of money on tuition because it was, uh, reciprocal with the University of the South where my, my wife, Angela teaches Spanish. So, and he knew that. And so that he helped us out in that respect. And so it was, it would have been much more expensive to go to USC and USC was a very good acting school, and he's been into acting uh, ever since he was little. He always sort of knew what he was going to do, I think. And uh, since he's been out, he was he's been he's done commercials. Uh, he, he first did a a paper towel commercial. I think it was the first one that I ever saw. The first time I saw him on television, on nationwide television. And uh, he did. Uh, Jane the Virgin. He had several. He was in that for several several episodes, and he's been on several other uh, situation comedies as you know small parts. And he was on the one with Betty White, and I forgot the name of that one. Uh, what was the one with Betty White and the the four older ladies that he was on? Angela. Uh, I don't think I don't remember. I don't know. Anyway, it was on. Uh, I don't know, it was Betty White and several other well-known actors. And he, he, did, he did about four or five episodes of that. And uh, now the biggest thing he's done to date, is, and he's still doing it now, is uh, uh, just slipped my mind. Uh, oh, Will and Grace. He's, he's had, I think he's done so, so far about six episodes of Will and Grace. And he's, he's doing major stuff in that where he's got a lot of... Uh, big parts in it and he's done a lot of other things I just can't think of all of them right now but he's doing well and he likes living in LA and even though it's expensive but he figures that's the place to be if you're gonna be an actor I started out talking to your parents Angela and Paul Uh uh-huh yes and they told us a little bit about you so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about them Oh, uh, what's the deal with them? They're, my dad is an engineer. Uh, he's an electrical engineer. He works on cable cars. Uh, I, I think I discovered recently 
um, because he's he's getting older in a way that I'm starting to notice physically. Sure. So he's he he's like slowing down. Um, and so I'm, what I'm trying to get to is I noticed recently in a way that he's my hero and I hadn't really known that until I started to see his health. He, he, he's pretty, I mean, he's pretty, he's doing well and his mind is very strong, but his body's just slowing down a bit and it's like, oh my God, like my hero is, is, uh, is slowing down and I'm going to have to like, you know, I don't know, take up whatever energy that was or something. And I just like, I, I think I grew up thinking he's the smartest guy in the world, you know? And, um, and even lately, th- considering the fact that he might not be, um, <laughs> is like, is like wild to me. I'm like, Whoa, my dad, like there are people smarter than my dad. So I just, I, I think he's brilliant. And I really like the way something I get from him is he's always, He's always kind of going like, well, basically it's this. He's like, he's like looking at things like as objectively as possible and then kind of uh, synthesizing the information and then summing up the, what's basically going on. And I I like that he does that. And Mm -hmm. he's, you know, very like math and science minded, which I'm not. Uh, So before we get into your son, could you tell us what's your life like? Like, what do you like to do these days? Oh, uh, I like to uh, well I like to travel a lot because we we go down we go down to South America quite often and uh I like to fly my airplane and right now I'm working on my airplane hangar in the back of my house. Uh yeah, well he didn't get into it until I was uh I think in 7th grade or something. He like bought a plane and he had wanted to his whole life. Um, so I also like see him as somebody who achieved his dreams because he was like, he grew up like quite, uh, without money. Like his parents were really, and they were like in the country in Tennessee and, uh, and he really made a life for himself and, and in well into his fifties, I think he bought himself a plane that lands on the water and then he built his own hangar for it. And, uh, yeah, the reason he's in that hangar so much right now, I don't know if he told you is a tree fell on it like three oh years ago. No, he did not. Yeah. And it destroyed, uh, the hangar and the, he built a hangar in our backyard that has like a ramp into the lake so that he can like park his lake plane in his hangar, which is so cool to me. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. He really saw what he wanted and did it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he's a real do it yourselfer. And, uh, but the, this tree fell onto the hangar and it destroyed the plane and the hangar, but insurance apparently covered all of it. So he got a a new version of the same plane or a newer version of the same plane. And now he's been rebuilding the hangar, uh, very, uh, slowly, (laughs) basically. (laughs) We live on a lake in, uh, Tennessee, big lake. And so we like to do skiing and boat riding in the boat and stuff like that in the summertime it's not too good in the winter that's one reason we go down here to columbia in the winter time because we don't like winter that much and that's about it um and my mom is a spanish professor and she's very good at it and she says she's good at it uh she says she's good at teaching languages because she's bad with languages so she can help the students for whom it's hard to learn languages because she relates to them. And uh, if you talk to her, you, you can see that her English is, is uh, certainly not perfect. And, and it's, I, I just hear that she's like a great teacher. I mean, I've never had her in class, but she's like really strict and uh, you know, she's the real deal. She's, she's super intelligent and compassionate and, and people have always loved her and she's like a real, um, 
people person. She's one of those people that'll just start talking to anyone uh, anywhere, which is something I aspire to. I think a lot of people of our generation, like, w w well, I think you're younger than me, but but I, we we wish that we had more of that ability to just like start talking to somebody somewhere that you're at instead of just being in your phone the whole time, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, even as I was on the phone, cause I was originally on the phone with your dad and then your mom was like, I have thoughts, put it on speaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. She has a, certainly a commanding energy, but, uh, Oh, my wife wants you to be on speakerphone. So she, can oh, perfect. Hear Hello, I'm here. I'm sorry. So she wants to correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Hi. I'm Hi. Hi. <laughs> right. Okay. I don't know. You know. So I never spoke English to Brian when he was growing up. I only spoke Spanish to him. So he grew up completely bilingual. Oh wow, that's very cool to know. Well, we agreed to that when we first got married. We said whenever we have kids, she's just going to speak Spanish to him, and I'm just going to speak English to him, and that way they'll they'll be fluent in two languages without having to work on it. Yeah, that is, I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah. But we, we know a lot of people that are, you know, that are living in the States that are Hispanics and they don't teach their kids Spanish or they don't talk to their kids in Spanish. And we just think that's a mistake because they can actually, they can get a free language without having to work at it. Mm -hmm. So does Brian yeah. still speak both languages? Of course. Yes. I never yeah, speak he's, he's English fluent. to him. And his sister is fluent too. They're both fluent. They're, they're, they all three of all three of the people besides me and the family speak Spanish perfectly, but I don't. I don't speak it perfectly, but I can. I can carry on a conversation. Yeah, and, and my father was from Spain, so I have his Spanish passport from Spain. And Brian and Catalina, my daughter, they both do too. Uh, so your dad said. Um, he he's very appreciative that you went to USC because okay. it is a reciprocal <laughs> because, of co because of yeah yeah <laughs> so it's a reciprocal college from your mom's college where she teaches Spanish yeah yeah it has tuition exchange right yes. so it didn't cost him anything yeah and uh, he said that you board. you studied acting yes. Uh, what did. was that experience like? It was great. USC is great. Um, I had um, some substance abuse problems toward the end of USC um, that I'm glad I, I dealt with at that age because now I've been sober for quite a while. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, it, it was great. And what's funny is now uh, really being on TV and in movies like in a substantial – like a lot, I, I – I, remember that training kind of more than I thought I would. And I particularly remember just how much we did it. I mean, we really did a lot of plays and especially uh, for something like multicam, like Will and Grace, it's like in front of a live audience and you're really working the jokes. And I mean, what's different than it's different than a play because they're working the writing in front of you. And Will and Grace has this genius group of writers and the creators are just geniuses and the cast is geniuses and it's incredible. But uh, so in a play, it's more set. But but still that that idea of like. Just learning how to how to really read an audience and and uh, and have an experience with them and make them laugh, you know, is is has has really been bringing me back to the experiences I had in college and and feeling really grateful for it. I did some, I did like, what did I do? I did like Carousel there, and I did uh, Cloud Nine. I really remember directed by this incredible teacher, Laura Zane, uh, and she's a director as well. And it was just I I don't know. Lately, I've just been like. 
oh, like we, we really were because I'm lucky enough that I'm getting to, I'm a professional actor, you know? And so it's like, oh, they really were preparing me for this in a way that when you're there, you don't, because so many, I mean, a lot of people, you know, don't, who, who study that don't do it really Mm -hmm. in their lives. So when you're there, you kind of don't know who's going to really do it. But I I guess I always knew, but, um, but just lately I've been appreciating it a lot. (laughs) That's my long winded USC (laughs) rant. You mentioned that Brian always had an interest in in acting. Was there a specific moment from his childhood that you remember thinking, "Oh, he's gonna make a career out of this"? Uh, yeah, he did Guys and Dolls at a community theater in uh, Tullahoma, Tennessee, which is about no, which was yeah, but he also did Guys and Dolls in Tullahoma, didn't he? No, okay, it was at the university. Oh, he did the Sound of Music in Tullahoma. Uh, yeah, but and also, well, I think the the big the, to me the biggest thing that I remember when I said this guy is is really good at this and he's going to make it when he did a a a, a stand up comedy routine by John Leguizamo. John and John Leguizamo. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I can't remember the details of it, but it was half an hour long. He didn't make any mistakes in it, and I realized he had no stage fright at all. And he, he remembered half an hour's worth of, of jokes and lines and just did it perfectly. And I thought, my God, this guy's like a professional. And he was he was still in high school. So that was that was, that was to me, that was the big moment that that I knew he was going to be an actor. I think that I mean, I didn't write that, you know, but um, but that on a basic level and it's it's to great credit um uh, to John Leguizamo who, who wrote it. It's basically his one man show. And we did, I did like a shortened version of it, but, um, but that, that just was actually funny. And my dad has uh, a real hard line around humor. Things are just funny to him or they're not. And he's always been my test audience and he's how I've been able to get, you know, a sense of humor. Um, I even referenced that in Caleb Gallo. I think in the first episode, I'm like, my father is the reason I have a sense of humor. But, uh, yeah, he, he just saw that and I guess he thought it was funny, but I was, yeah, I mean, I was doing stuff long before that. I guess he just didn't like, I mean, you know, he doesn't like, I guess, watching me be one of the kids in the sound of music or, or I don't know, but, but maybe the ability to command a stage is what, is what uh, got him. Mm-hmm. And was he always having that sort of innate confidence or what was Brian like growing up versus how he is yes, now? Yeah, he's, he's always had, he's never had any doubts of, about anything as far as himself. You know, he's got plenty of self-confidence. And I think, I think being an actor requires that almost. If you, otherwise, you, you'll, you'll get uh, discouraged and he doesn't, he doesn't ever get discouraged. And it has, it's been, you know, it's been tough and he's, he's, He's been working on it ever since he got out of college, and he's it, it's it hasn't been an overnight success, but he's doing, he's doing very well, and uh, his confidence is uh, it's, it's it's there a hundred percent. So I think I think if if, if it had been much less than that, he wouldn't have he would have gotten into some other field. So when do you nice. feel like you sort of got like interested in, in acting and performing? Um, from what I remember, it, it's one of these like um, it's one of these memories that is is all fogged up because I've remembered it so many times that you're not sure if you're now painting a story onto it. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure what happened was 
I wanted to be an astronaut when I was really little, which still to me feels actually very similar to acting because it's something about getting out of this world, you know, into another world. Um, uh, my friend Stephanie the other day put it very well. She was like, yeah, I remembered even when I was little, like acting has always been about fantasy worlds. It's about like getting this experience of living in a magical other world. Um, but, uh, I remember my sister, I want to be an astronaut. <clears throat> and then my sister was like, I'm going to be an actress <laughs> or an actor. And I was like, um, so am I. <laughs> and I just copied her, but, but I knew I, I, I mean, she was into it and I was like, wait a minute, I am really into that. And then slowly over the years, it was like, in fact, I'm actually into that. And you're not that into that. I'm the one who's into that. Um, and I, I, I think when I sang, I sang like Kokomo, my dad made me sing Kokomo by the beach boys when I was four, I think in front of like a hundred, I don't know. There was some talent show and then they put me in a lay and they made me sing Kokomo and like all those people looking at me and loving me. I was like this, this is it, man. I mean, this is it. I, I've arrived. So that, that's when the bug really bit me, I think. And your mom also, she mentioned your sister Catalina. Yes, um, yes. And she said this that. This is so fun, by the way. I, I was telling you, I don't know if we had started recording yet, but I was telling you that this format is so brilliant because I really, I, I and I imagine other people that, that you've done this with are, I'm really curious to hear what my parents said. And now even getting to talk about it, it's like so fun. I mean, this is just literally genius that you've come up Thank with. Thank you so I much. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I always think about like my my mom sort of, mm -hmm. from her perspective, built my acting career. And from my perspective, kind of helped me out a little bit. <laughs> so like I always think of yeah. that and like how completely different those yeah, stories would be. So yeah. it's always, it's interesting to like get into that dynamic because yeah. everyone's relationship with their parents or their family is so different. You yeah. Know, when you, you... So your mom feels like very involved. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I have like faint memories of like her driving me places. <laughs> so like that contrast. Well, I think is... you're right. I think you did it. But but she, I, I mean, she also I'm sure helped enormously. So yeah. I, I I say one of the best thing is when he actually uh, he made a movie with my daughter Catalina, a very short movie called Paco, and that's spelled P A C O, and that was my father's nickname. So they made a very short movie that Brian was the main character in that little short movie. And she sent that movie to like 30 festivals and she got like three awards and that little short movie. Paco yeah. by Catalina Jordan Alvarez is going to be available on Vimeo, I believe, this week. And you can just search Paco. It played at Slamdance and has played all over the place. And it's a great short. Yeah. So what is what is it about? Uh, it's it's like, I don't know. I mean, my sister is is is, to say the least, uh, a brilliant experimental filmmaker. And that made me really happy just to see both of them working together because, you know, she went to NYU and she also went in the theater field. And it was nice just to see them working together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you always want to see your kids working together and be happy. Okay. So pa in Paco, I play a uh, Colombian cat caller 
uh, who's very friendly and all the neighbors, but he's, uh, he's like a kind, um, non-threatening energy and all the neighbors in the neighborhood like to come sit on his lap or come talk to him. And he's like, he like, like this or, and it's, I guess it's just based on these characters that Cata, uh, which is what we call my sister Catalina, uh, based on these characters that we used to do, we would go, uh, cause I, actually I'm going to Columbia in like three days and oh, I'm, to join your parents. We're yeah, there now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I am stressing about it, but, um, I'm going to Columbia in a few days, but, but yeah, when we used to go to Columbia when we were younger, we would, I don't know, I guess we would like see these men that would, that would like, they would, they would say, I think the thing, I don't know if this was real. I think it was there. There was like some guy who would be like, tss, tss, and he'd be like, Linda, <laughs> which means like beautiful. He would just like say it to people. Maybe my sister. I don't so know. So this but. was one guy who did this all the time or many men who had this yeah, habit. I think it was. Yeah. It was something that Kata picked up. I don't know where we got it. Maybe we made it up. We, I mean, sometimes Kata and I will, cause Kat, she and I speak in English primarily because we're like American, you know, we like grew up, we're Colombian American, but we grew up here in the States. But, um, but sometimes we'll like get on the phone and just start speaking in Spanish. But then we're always like playing characters of our Colombian relatives. And so we're like, there's like, what is this thing? I wonder if they have this in the States too. When you show a Christmas present, you have to show the Christmas present to everybody. And everybody mm -hmm. goes, wow. <laughs> we like do that a lot. Yeah. 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 I, I guess that's kind of similar. You show it around and everyone has to be like, we like that. Yeah, that is yeah. very good. Yeah. Great work out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's also made a, a movie, uh, which was, which was quite Grandmother's good. Gold. Grandmother's gold. We saw that and that was, that was quite good, especially for, you know, to have a, a low budget movie that was that, that good. Yeah. Grandmother's Gold is an end of the world Christmas comedy <laughs> uh, set in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's about two siblings who um, uh, it takes place, I think, for three or four years from now. And uh, the premise of the movie is that the Internet uh, was deleted essentially like the the UN uh took a vote and decided to get rid of the internet because i think in the movie they say quote unquote it had gotten too dark or something <laughs> um which is funny because i have you know like a youtube uh yeah. presence but um yeah, it's an end of the world Christmas comedy. So it takes place uh, after the internet has gone away. You still have landline phones, um, which come in handy when uh, on the second day of the film, which like starts, I guess it's the inciting incident or something. I don't know. Uh, it uh, the the second day of the film, you we wake up and the power is out, and so we can still call each other on landlines because I don't know. I don't think actually you're old enough to know that you that landline phones would still work when the power was out. I did out. not know that. Yeah, Brett, did you know that? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was uh, it was um, the 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 most popular comment under that movie was why are the phones working <laughs> while the power is out? And I I didn't know how to I should like pin something like because actually if you just type it in like do landlines work when the power is out? There's like a a, a blurb that comes up that just basically says yes the landlines work because I remember like it, we would get snowed in and the power would turn off because the phone lines are different from uh, power lines but so so then we discover that what has happened is that because the internet got deleted 
um, the economy has crashed because because even though the government wanted to, actually, the truth is you can't just delete the internet because it's not something we made up. In fact, it is an extension of us and it was us. So it was like cutting off um, extremely important parts of our body. And so now the economy is crashing and the only thing that's going to have any potential value is gold. And luckily, our grandmother... Uh, who we've never met is in Malibu Canyon with approximately $800,000 worth of gold. And we have to get there by tomorrow. Excellent. Yeah. 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 YouTube.com slash Brian Jordan Alvarez. Uh, so what was the process slash, slash experience of making and putting that movie together? Uh, it was awesome. I, um, Let's see. I mean, uh, we made it on a very, very small uh, budget. And I had this, I, I, I mean, we were all working for no money and, and like uh, everyone was just so kind to do it out of the kindness of their hearts. And I mean, I luckily had this, you know, incredible group of actors and I had, you know, written it for basically all the people that were in the movie. And, and then we had this incredible director of photography, Jordan McKittrick, and we used a, a few bucks to rent a, uh, the best camera that we could get. And, and we just basically went around LA and shot this thing in our houses. And then the movie, as you'll see, moves kind of into the streets and then into Malibu Canyon and then to this kind of fantasy land. And I had taught myself uh, something called Da Vinci Resolve, which is like a coloring software. So the movie has some pretty wild colors and I did those myself. I think if I had to do it again, I might take those colors down a little bit, but it's, it's, it's fun. It, I mean, it, 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 it certainly like catches your eye as like, a, it's like, Oh, this is like a fantasy movie, isn't it? Cause these are some bright colors, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. And then, and then I released it on July 10th on my uh, birthday this past summer. And, um, we did a little screening of it at CAA. They were so kind to let us show it there. And it was just really, really fun. And it was, a, it's a Christmas movie. So right now <clears throat> is the time to go check it out. And what what inspired an end of the world Christmas <laughs> apocalyptic type movie? Interesting question. Well, Stephanie and I, uh, Stephanie Koenig, uh, a, a, one of the great geniuses on this earth, um, she uh, Koenig is spelled K O E N I G. It's actually pronounced Koenig. The problem is she taught it to me as Koenig when we met because she was experimenting with going with Koenig, but actually it's Koenig. So it's Stephanie Koenig. <laughs> uh, we were in Amsterdam on a little trip that we took together um, last November. And it was like snowy and just wintry there and everything looked cute. And I was just trying to think like, how do I make a feature film for uh, virtually no money? And so I just thought of this thing because, because, because I was like, well, how do we shoot in our houses and then have some kind of adventure that then pulls us across lots of locations that are just kind of on the street that we can just shoot, you know, scrappily, um, around LA. And, and that's, that's what came to mind. I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And had you always sort of been motivated to make a feature or like what kind of made yeah. you want to do that? Yeah, I think I think in college I got I well, so when I was 16, I, I like got a Minolta <clears throat> film camera um, and that was the first time I looked through a good camera. And actually, the most important thing is like a good lens where what you're looking what you're looking at is in focus and what's behind it is out of focus. 
and that moment kind of changed my life because I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And that's basically what cinema looks like. So for a long time, I took pictures and then I moved into, I was actually making time stop movies in college. I had these, I had this Canon digital SLR camera. So that shoots like photographic, you know, like photography style <laughs> pictures. I don't know what to call them, but it's a, you know, it shoots something with the, with the subject in focus in the background out of focus. And, and I couldn't get a video camera that would shoot, uh, at that level for anything that I could afford. So I was like, well, this camera shoots three frames a second. If you just hold the button down. So if I just have everybody act in slow motion, then we can shoot almost like human claymation. And so then we made these stop motion movies in college that looked really cool. And that's around when I was like, oh, I kind of can, can make things, um, and then, yeah, and then I, I, it's a pretty quick leap to be like, well, you know, I'd like to make a, I mean, I've, I've always been obsessed with movies and I, I still am, you know? Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a very cool culmination to be like, mm -hmm. I have made a feature film and then yeah. to release it for free and, and to, uh, a fan base that is so uh, amazing. I mean, these, these people that, that watch the stuff are just so amazing. They're so smart and curious and, and deep and, and they really get it. They get the jokes we're making and they get, they get that we don't, uh, that we're not doing it by the book. And it's a cool experience. Would you buy a t-shirt for $50 if you knew it only cost $7 to make? I personally would not. And with Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes. I am literally wearing the jeans that they sent me as we speak. They sent me a bunch of their clothing so that I could test it out and get a sense if I actually like it so I can tell you guys my honest opinion. And I am obsessed. They sent me these really great boots. They're like an ankle boot with a nice sharp point. Very nice, shiny. Ooh. Big fan! Everlane only makes premium essentials using the finest materials without any traditional markups. And they tell you their real costs so you actually know that you're not overpaying. Everlane wants you to know what you're paying for and why. They're radically transparent about every step in their process from the materials they use to the ethical factories they work with, which is something that's super important to me. I think in the modern day, it's really hard to figure out if you are screwing someone over somewhere along the fast fashion line. And with Everlane, you can rest assured that you are not. Everlane sells directly to you, so their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, and they last way longer. So when you go to everlane.com slash sellgood, you will actually find a whole selection of clothes that I combed through the website and found. They sent me their cashmere sweatpants, which are so comfortable, honestly changed my life. Uh, the jeans that I'm wearing right now are the relaxed boyfriend jean. And then they also sent me the Renew Fleece Half and they also sent me the Renew Fleece Half Zip, which is made from very environmentally friendly materials. And right now you can check out my personalized collection at everlane.com slash zallgood. Plus you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com slash zallgood. everlane.com slash zallgood. So in terms of Brian uh, in his youth or Brian now, do you have any embarrassing stories that stand out to you about him? Oh my God. This I was wondering. I wonder if they even do. <laughs> no. 
Honestly, I don't. I can't think of it. Do you think of any embarrassing stories about Brian and Angela? No, I don't have. I cannot think of any embarrassing stories. Nothing that I can think right now. Did they really? They said, no, we can't think of any. <laughs> not oh. at all. So do you have any favorite moments from, from his childhood or specific memories that stand out to you? Yes. Um, when we were driving driving down from uh, New York to, to to move to Tennessee when he was four he was he was three years old he was almost four years old uh, he he knew all the words to uh, losing my religion which is a song by I think it's rem or yeah and he was so funny because he, he knew all the words to it he liked singing it and he's interested in, he's always likes music but he he, he really likes 80s music. One time he asked me, he said, hey, Dad, how come the music was so much better in the 80s than it is today? <laughs> and I said, I said, the reason it's so much better is because you only hear the very best of it. The, 80s, <laughs> you know, the very best ones. And today you hear all of it. He told me that or that, I told him that? I thought he said that he told you that. Wow, would you, would you think it was the other way around? No, I just, I think that's a very correct statement. And I, I, I thought he would be more defensive of 80s music because 80s music is truly his jam and is now my jam. I'm obsessed with it. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, you can see it throughout Caleb Gallo and, uh, and Grandmother's Gold, but, um, and in my car, in my head right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he loves 80s music. So I just, I just didn't think that he would, uh, say so willingly that it's it, there's a reason that he likes 80s music so much. I think it was also because that's when he was like, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. When he was having the most dance parties or something, maybe? Yeah, in the 80s? Yeah, in the late 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Oh, yeah. was your dad big into dance parties? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, they had some serious dance parties. Yeah, yeah, and I'm still into very into dancing as a result. You know, if you're just going into a regular top 40 station, you hear all the ones that didn't make it to the top 40 that are in the, or, you know, they're in the top 100 or something. And a lot of them weren't very good, but they made it on the radio. What about the subway? The subway when we moved to. Oh, yeah. And another funny story is uh, in Winchester, Tennessee, it's, it's a little town of about seven or 8,000. And it's got a, a square in the middle of it, you know, where the courthouse is, like very a lot of little small towns or county seats in the United States have. And there was this building. It was like a, a, a barber shop, or it was a building. Anyway, it had a it had a, a staircase with a railing on it going down down to the basement below, but it was coming up out of the sidewalk. Oh yeah, and I was like, is that the subway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I remember, yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. I even remember New York a little bit because I, I think I left there when I was about four. But I remember playing in the snow with my grandmother. That's my first memory is playing in the snow on Roosevelt Island and kind of looking up at my grandmother who was sitting on the bench. Uh, when you find yourselves talking with Brian and sort of catching up or spending the holidays together, do you find yourselves talking more about the things that are going right or the things that are going wrong? What sort of, uh, what sort of subjects do you gravitate towards? Uh, well, we, we try to keep it even, uh, he, he's not too, too great with his money, but you know, I'm trying to improve him on that. You know, in other words, he spends, spends more money than he should a lot of times and he doesn't have a lot of, he, he figures everything's going to work out 
and it does. I, I must admit, it does work out. So I can't guess I can't complain much. But uh, that's that was the neg only negative thing about him, and which he's which he says he's trying to improve, and I believe him. So he's a very particularly financially stable person, and I really respect that, and I admire it, and I I I, I do think that uh, you know there's a lot to learn from that. Mm -hmm. He just hate he just hates any kind of debt. And, uh, and that's relatively unusual from what I've seen as an adult, like somebody who tr he truly avoids, I think all debt, like wow. everything he has, he actually has, you know, mm -hmm. he doesn't owe like anything on anything. And I don't know. It's just like, wow, it's cool. But someone like that, of course, is going to think that I think a normal person is <laughs> like, you know, he's going to be critical of me, a completely normal person. <laughs> but as far as his, uh, his ability in acting and his his drive to to be in that field, I think he's got plenty of it, and I, I think he's going to be very successful. I have a lot of faith in him. And a question that we like to ask all of the guests and all of the parents here on Zolgood is for those of us that only know Brian through maybe his YouTube videos or his comedy or his sitcom appearances, to what extent do you feel like we know the real Brian? Uh, oh, I think you really know the real Brian because... That's why he wants to show the world. He wants to make a better world. So he's always showing everybody what the world should be because he wants to make a better world. Oh, wow. <laughs> My God. They're like, except for. <laughs> he also is very proud of his gate and he wants to help any gate that is around or that is in this world to, to be proud to be gate. And so, yeah, I think he's always showing himself the way he he is. He's not trying to hide anything. Yeah, that's, I agree with that. I I think I really communicate myself in my work, and I, I challenge myself to do it even more than I don't know. Yeah, I I I I, I really try to do that. I try to be fully present uh, with the audience. Because I don't know, that's that's what it is, right? Is like is like showing yourself so that others may I don't know, what is it? Feel connection or feel alive or or feel that they may be themselves without being judged or considered wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, if so we wanna fun. check out all of your stuff, what what would you like to plug? Uh, what would I like to plug? I mean, uh, watch Will and Grace this season. There's a lot more coming up. I've been on uh, some I, – I, let's see. I don't want to reveal things I'm not allowed to reveal. So uh, I just want to say Will and Grace is the best uh, comedy on TV right now, and you got to watch uh, the whole season because uh, it's, it's a very wonderful season. And uh, it's on Hulu on the days after it airs, but it airs on NBC on Thursday nights. Yay. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so I much. Appreciate this is awesome. It. Yay. You're, yeah, this is very cool. Yay. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. And thank you to you guys listening. I will talk to you next week. Have a great rest of your day. And it's all good. Bye. Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com 
and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.